some people turn out a certain way because of their father, and other people turn out a certain way in spite of their father. And I think in your situation, you've turned out the way you have in spite of your biological father. You are listening to episode seven of Complicated Fatherhood, an eight-episode podcast docu-series exploring how my own journey through fatherhood has been affected by the father that I never knew. I'm your host, Ryan Brucker. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, well, thank you. But I need you to stop, head back, let's start with episode one so you don't miss a thing. And at the end of the episode, if you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating if you could. These ratings help others find this podcast, which for an independent podcaster like myself is very helpful. But regardless, I am honored that you chose to stop by. So thank you. Now let's get into it. Baby, you can choose to never have a bad day again. That's a quote I've got hanging on the wall in my daughter Sienna's room. Where did it come from? Funny enough, the story is incredibly random, but I'm telling you that one sentence has changed my life. I was a huge fan of the show Nashville. If you're unfamiliar with it, it ran from 2012 to 2018 on ABC, then CMT. I think I'd just finished binge watching Friday Night Lights, and then I'd heard Connie Britton was set to star in the show. I mean, that was it. Anyway, in 2014, Rolling Stone magazine ran a story called 10 Things We Learned on the Set of Nashville. Now, if you're a fan of a show and you see something like that, I mean, you click it, right? Well, I did. So here are the first three things we learned in this article. By the way, (laughs) I spent an embarrassing amount of time searching for this article, so I could be as accurate as possible. So here it is. Number one. In the season finale, Juliet Barnes gets hammered and screws things up again. Number two, some songs will be recycled in a different light. Number three, rain is torn between two singing lovers. Man, (laughs) I really forgot how great that show was. So I came to the fourth thing and it says, the guy who plays Juliet's bodyguard, Bo, did two tours in Iraq. The actor's name is Melvin Kearney. And according to his IMDb page, Nashville is the only show he's credited with. He appeared in 28 episodes, that's it. The piece goes on to say, Melvin Kearney became a motivational speaker after returning from a second tour of combat, during which he lost five friends. He was speaking to wounded warriors in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when an audience member asked him if he's ever acted. I act a fool in front of my family, Kearney joked in response. But the woman convinced him to audition for Nashville, and given his lack of acting experience, he swears it was a smile that scored him the gig. I used to take my mom to chemotherapy, he recalls of his late mother, and she'd say, baby, you can choose to never have a bad day again. You can't control your circumstances, but you can control your attitude. Regarding my father, up until this point, almost everything's been heavy. Not just in these conversations, but really since we first met. 
part of me wants to hold on to that grudge and not show any signs of happiness. But the truth is, I am happy. To me, forgiveness is not about forgetting what happened. In fact, forgiveness is very much remembering what happened and choosing to move forward. That's not for everyone, but for me, if I'm in a position to relieve myself of the emotional burden that comes along with being abandoned by a parent, which thanks to therapy, meditation, and deep emotional work, I am, then why would I choose to carry that burden unnecessarily? Sometimes you just need to let the hair down, ask some silly questions, and enjoy the present because honestly, this life is so hard as it is. When I get down on myself or my circumstances, I think of the words of Melvin Kearney's mother. You can't control your circumstances, but you can control your attitude. Baby, you can choose to never have a bad day again. So, I got my I got my twenty questions for you. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> so I've got twenty questions for you as well. But where where did the idea for uh, twenty questions come from? I uh, you know what? Um, I actually have no idea. But uh, for some reason, I was just watching a cartoon, uh, Bob's Burgers. And they were having sort of like the same thing, 20 questions on it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how you wanted to do it. Did you want to do like tit for tat? Or do you want me to ask my 20, then you ask your 20, or you ask your 20, I ask my 20? Yeah, how, let's, how does I want to go? Yeah, let's do, let's do you ask your 20, then I'll ask my 20. Okay, cool. All right. So you're recording? Uh, I am. Yep. Yeah, we're recording. Okay. So some of my questions are going to be two-parters. All right, cool. All right. So first one, what what's your favorite food as a kid and your favorite food as an adult? My favorite food as a kid were chicken wings. My favorite food as an adult are still chicken wings. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've- I love chicken wings. <laughs> bone in or, or bone out? Bone in. I mean, I'll, I'll, if somebody gives me bone out, I'm, I'm never going to turn them down. But if I'm going to order yeah, exactly. bone in for sure. Yeah, give me the ones with the bones, the big ones with the bones. Actually, All you, right. you know what's funny is um, – God, my, my mom would kill me for telling this story. When I was a kid, like we, we both loved um, – we loved chicken wings. And so she, she would actually take me down to Albany – uh, to go to Hooters because Hooters had like the best wings. So I'd be like seven or eight or nine and me and my mom and grandma, we, we would go to Hooters <laughs> to pick up wings. And, um, you know, like I think she, she had said there was one time where somebody had asked me, you know, what my favorite food was as a kid. And mind you, I'm probably like eight. And I was like, uh, Hooters wings. My mom takes me there all the time. And she's like, can you, can, you not, can you not tell people that I take you to Hooters all the time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Your next thing. Uh, favorite singer, female or male, or one of each? 
Mm, good question. Uh, favorite singer of all time is Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, favorite woman singer. Oh man. Um, I'm going to say Tori Kelly. I love Tori Kelly. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who Tori Kelly is. Yeah, she's she's phenomenal. So definitely definitely check her out. All right, your your favorite band in terms of like the musicianship and the style of music they play. The favorite band. Yeah, favorite band is uh, the Lone Bellow. I love the Lone Bellow. What are they like? They, um, I think I've heard them referred to as like, uh, like, like Brooklyn, Brooklyn country, which is funny because I'm not like a country person, but I think they're based out of Nashville. Man, the lead singer is, he's just, just powerful. Absolutely powerful. Um, the songwriting from them is phenomenal. Like every song that you listen to, it just, it feels like they just, they just turned, turned the microphone on and just did it in one take. Like they are just so authentic and just, I absolutely just adore their music. And it's funny cause we've actually seen them a couple times. They've come to the city and one time was totally an accident. They were playing at this festival in Sacramento and I had no idea. And I walk into the festival and I was like, Oh, they're playing the Lone Bellows new album. Like that's really cool. And then we're walking around the festival. I'm like, wow, they're still playing this album. Like it's really good. And then I turned the corner. Allie goes, uh, I think they're here playing live. And I, and I look up at the stage. And I'm like, oh, my God. So we actually went up and got to see them. And it was cool because not a ton of people knew who they were. And uh, so after they were done, uh, me and Ray and, and Allie, we actually went over. and We got to meet them and take our picture with them. They were super nice. Uh, but oh, I love the Lone Bellow. A lot, lot of others, like Johnny Swim, I love. There's a bunch of others I love, but the Lone Bellow, top of my list. Cool. Uh, so, your favorite TV show? Parks and Recreation, hands down. Uh, NBC, <laughs> ran, the ran from, I think, 2009 to 2015. Yeah, it was. I love that show. Oh, yeah. My favorite show of all time. Oh, Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris <laughs> Actually, the name Ice Cream Would Be Nothing came from Parks and Recreation. It came from Ron Swanson. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a quote from him in the show where he was talking to a... Uh, uh, he it was sounds like a, something he would say. Oh, for sure. He was writing a letter to like a... I think it was a frozen yogurt place. And he was like, dear, dear frozen yogurt, you are the celery of desserts. Be ice cream or be nothing. Zero star. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, that'd be... That'd be a great name for an ice cream shop. And I was like, wait, name my ice cream shop. So I looked and the domain was available. The Instagram handle was available. So I took both and was like, eh, one day I'll do something with it. And sure enough, five years later, I am. Yeah, cool. All right. So your, your favorite movie? Oh, favorite movie. Um, my my go-to, I love Inglorious Bastards. I haven't watched it in a couple of years, but yeah. yeah. Glorious Bastards was good. Inception was really good. I love both of those. Um, and then, like, my favorite, like, just kind of, like, put on, like, let me laugh, is uh, Wedding Crashers. I love. Um, uh, oh, Crazy Stupid Love. I love that one, too. Oh, oh, yep. Right, right, right. So your favorite place to vacation? 
Oh, favorite place to vacation. Um, Allie's going to laugh when she hears this, but I'm going to say Vermont. I love Vermont so much. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's a beautiful place. The people are great. Um, you know, so I'm going to say Vermont. I probably should be saying like Cancun or something like that, but. I, I told you when, when I, when I lived in Vermont and I worked at the, um, the, um, Home Depot in Williston. Mm-hmm. There was two things that I, I I recognized in Vermont. It's like it's where all the men with gray ponytails go to live. <laughs> and in this store, there were more related people, like brothers. The store that I worked at. It was like almost like a family. There was like husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, fathers, sons, daughters, uncles, mothers and daughters. There was like this unbelievable amount of people who were like, like every day I was finding out, I'm like, wow, somebody, you're related to her, you're related to him. And it, it was it was like this really nice kind of vibe at the store. Mm. I really enjoyed being in Vermont for that. Okay. Anyway, anyway, uh, what's next? Favorite cartoon? Oh, favorite cartoon? Um, oh God, that is a good question. I think from my childhood. Yeah. Um. Doug. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with Doug. I, I think I enjoyed that one. Um, yeah. Or recess. I loved recess too. Yeah. That was yeah. a good. One. Yeah. I like those too. As well. Mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend. She used to call it Doug and his dog. It's like, Oh, I love that show. Doug and his dog. So, you know, the name of the show is not Doug and his dog. It's no, it's just, Doug. It's like, yeah, whatever. It's Doug and his dog. Um, yeah, yeah, let's was, see. Uh, All right. Your your dream job. Oh, dream job. As a kid, it was to be a sports broadcaster. That's really what I wanted to do. Um, as an adult, my dream job would just be an ice cream maker, honestly. Just making ice cream all day long, talking about ice cream all day long. You know, I think, uh, yeah, I think that'd be, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Cool. All right. Who is your number one hero? Number one hero. Um, I mean, to, to be honest, I I know, you know, to to be honest, it'd be my mom, especially, especially looking. I I felt that coming. Yeah, well, it's funny. My first, you know, reaction was to go like celebrity or like somebody well known. But um, and I'll say that one too. But yeah, in terms of my mom, just especially as an adult now with two kids, looking back on on life, it's like man, she you know there were points where she had three jobs. You know, like I've told you before, like she she didn't date. Like there there weren't guys coming around the house. Like everything in her life was focused on me and. As, as a kid, that's all I knew. I mean, she even gave me the master bedroom in our two-bedroom house. And as a kid, like, these are all things that, I don't know, I, I just was was normal. Like, I, I don't think I was spoiled, but, like, there were things that were pretty normal to me. But now as an adult, 
with two kids right. and all these things. I'm like, wow, she really gave up everything for me, you know? So right. that is, that's that. And, and she got that from, from my grandma who was the same exact way. Um, you know, so easily my mom, you know, my grandma and then, uh, yeah, from, from like a, a big picture moment, it would, you know, either be Dr. Martin Luther King or, you know, Barack Obama. Cool. All right. So how do you relax? How do I relax? I love going for walks. We have this incredible trail in our neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it's just underneath trees. It is just a beautiful walk. I love taking the dogs out there and just going for a walk, putting on my headphones, listening to a podcast. So, you know, that's probably the easiest way I relax. I love going for hikes and things like that. But just in terms of, you know, if I'm having a stressful day at work or whatever, it's like, hey, let me grab my headphones, get the two dogs, and let's just go for a walk. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your favorite, favorite song? Favorite song is Dirty Diana by Michael Jackson. <laughs> okay. If you could meet any historical figure, who would it be? Oh, any historical figure. I mean, alive would, would be Obama, hands down. Like, that is somebody who I would love, 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 love to just sit down, pick his brain, you know. And, it, and it's interesting because I've always, not like I'm ever going to be president or run for president or anything like that, but when I first knew who he was and, like, saw that he was going to be running for president, this is like, 06, or I think, like, 04 when I saw him at the, the DNC convention because I was 18, and then, like, as I started hearing that he like might run for president, I started to get to know his life. And one of my one of my professors in college actually gave me his his book. I think it was um, I forget which one. If it was The Audacity of Hope or Dreams of My Father, but um, you know, she gave me the book. And as it must have been Dreams of My Father. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of similarities. Like, you know, here's a guy half black, half white. Here's a guy who didn't know his dad growing up. Um, he was raised. You know, he was very close with his grandparents. You know, we lived next door to my grandparents. Um, and it's even funny because at the time, obviously, I had no kids, didn't know Allie. But then all these times later, like, he has two girls. I've got two girls. So he's somebody I've always saw a lot of myself in him. And right. so he's easily a historical figure who I would love to sit down with. And then in the past, oh, man. Um, I mean, Again, Martin Luther King Jr. would probably be the would probably be an easy one. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go with that. Cool. Okay. You have any hobbies? Yeah, I've got a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you know one of the hobbies right now is is making ice cream and doing the ice cream videos and um, yeah, just I love. I love doing all that. I love um, being able to just experiment with ice cream. And, and now I'm really trying to get into the science of ice cream. So I love just being able to make good ice cream. So that's probably the biggest hobby I have right now. Cool. What's your favorite sport? Basketball. What's your favorite beverage? Uh, I'm going to say ginger ale because I'm drinking a ton of ginger ale right now. Uh, lemonade, I do love lemonade too. And yeah, but just give me, give me a good ginger ale. Ginger beer. I love ginger beer. Um, so, yeah, something like that. Cool. So we're down to the last five questions. All right. Relatively easy. Who is your favorite teacher and why? 
Oh, favorite teacher. Um, my favorite teacher is uh, Miss Abel. She was my theater teacher junior year, uh, junior year of high school. And one of, the, one of the reasons I absolutely love her is because I didn't, want to, I didn't want to take theater class. I remember my first day of junior year, I saw it on my schedule and I was like, I didn't sign up for theater, so I didn't show up. And like, I think I was like, oh, I'll just try to be like a, a TA somewhere. And then I don't know who it was. I think like my track coach who was like involved in school, like he had heard I didn't go or something like that. was like, look, like you need to, you need to go to this class. Just like, just stick with it. So on the second day I showed up and my buddy, my buddy Demario was in the class. My buddy uh, uh, Tess was in the class. <laughs> so it was like the three of us who, and none of us wanted to take it. Me and Demario were like, well, really all three of us were into sports. So like theater just seemed... I don't know. I was like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with theater. And on the first day of class, like she made all of us get up, get up on stage and like give, I think it was like a five minute monologue on who we are. So I got up there. I was like, all right, cool. Like I did it. And you know, she, she just, she really worked with us and broke us down to help us understand and appreciate the beauty of art and like the beauty of being on stage and the beauty of just like theater in general. And prior, you know, mind you, I, I'm thinking I'm, I'm an athlete, I'm a jock, like I do cross country, basketball, track, like I, I don't need theater, like I'm not a theater person. And I loved her class so much that I signed up for, for second semester junior year. And then my senior year, she actually, um, it was her final year teaching and she was doing the senior play or like the school play. And there was this kid, I think she kicked out because he was just being like a prima donna. And then she actually came to me um, that fall. So I'm about to like start basketball. And she was like, Ryan, I need you to do this, this, this play. And I was like, a play? Like, look, I did your theater class last year, but like, I'm not a play kind of <laughs> kind of guy. Like I've never done a play. And she was like, right. I'm begging you. I need you to do this play. Like I have no other options. And I was like, all right, like for you, I will. And so I did it, but I was like probably a month behind everyone else. And mind you, never did a play. So I had to rehearse my lines. My entire speaking part was like, I think it was like a five minute monologue. Obviously I couldn't have notes. So it was, it was crazy. And everybody else in the play was like, you really, you brought this guy from like the basketball team, like <laughs> to do this. And every single night, like in, in auditions, I'm messing up and messing up and messing up. And the first night that I remembered all of my lines was actually opening night. <laughs> and every single night, I think there were seven, seven different uh, plays. And every single night I remember my lines and it, it really changed my life. I went from thinking I was like one dimensional beforehand to really understanding what theater is all about, having an appreciation for theater, having an appreciation for um, the people that were in the class. And it just, it genuinely changed my life. So if there's any teacher that changed my life, it was, it was her. So, but I love a lot of other teachers. Like I had so much fun with a lot of my teachers. Um, okay. It was my favorite. All right. So next question, same topic. What was your favorite school subject? Um... <laughs> Oh, good question. School start. I mean, I'm not going to say PE. I'm not going to say theater. Um, maybe science. I don't know, but I was terrible at science. But I was going to say math too, but I wasn't that good at math. Uh, <laughs> history, but I don't think I've great grades in history. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just going to say science because okay. we, we had a teacher that blew things up my junior year. So <laughs> okay. I'll, go, I'll go with that. 
All right, last three. All right. What's your favorite flower? Oh, um, mm, I don't know, sunflower? Okay. What's your favorite fruit? Kiwi. <laughs> I love kiwi. Okay. Last question. Who's your favorite male biological parent? Oh. Huh. <laughs> You're a funny guy, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So give me my 20. All right, cool. Um, all right. So, I, so, how, so how were those, by the way? They were good. They were good. Nice yeah, mix? Yeah, it was a nice mix. It was funny. As I was writing down my questions, I was thinking, I was like, what, what kind of questions am I going to get? Um, always thinking on the, on the spot is, is a little tough. Um, but, yeah, anyway. But, no, they were good. Okay. Were good. So, all right, cool. You ready? Ready. All right. First up, what are you most proud of? Most proud of? At, at this point in my life, what I'd be proud of that I've had something to do with and my abilities, uh, I would actually have to say as a songwriter, I, I think I'm most proud of my ability to write lyrics because there was, there was a period in my life that I didn't think I was going to be able to read. When I was in like fifth and sixth grade, I was just really struggling. And it wasn't until junior high that I understand how to like, you know, start writing. So I think my, my ability to put together a cohesive phrase and sentence is what I'm most proud that I can do. Mm, okay. that's, that's, that's what I got. All right, cool. Sounds good. Um, what gets you fired up? What gets me fired up? Mm -hmm. uh, these actually, and not to kind of like, you know, I don't know. I Lately, these conversations like this convert these conversations with you mm -hmm. have gotten me really fired up to reflect on my life and to think about the things that I've done and to you know work on finishing some things that I hadn't finished um but it's 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 like every it seems like every time I I get a extended connection with one of my kids, something happens. Like I really went crazy in my art phase when Adrian started coming around here, and I really got into thinking about my writing and my abilities and and my life and you know where where I've been in my life and where I'm 
where I'm going to go for the next however many years I got from talking to you. Mm-hmm. So these are the things that, but up until then, uh, up until, you know, these recent years, or my, you know, my late 50s, 60s, up to then, I would get fired up about building things, working in the garden. Gardening really got me fired up, watching plants grow and watching tomatoes come out, just watching the whole process of, you know, plant in the soil, then leaves developing, and then flowers developing, and then fruits developing from that. That was the thing that really got me really excited, you know, and pumped up and and a good sounding band being you know so i mean there are a few things okay but that that's what i got all right cool um what actor would play you in a movie about your life oh man what actor would play me uh i'd say someone like dennis haysbert that his name? Uh, Dennis Hainsburg. He was the the president, the black president on Twenty Four. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Him, uh, or if you know, if I if I wanted a a, a, a fantasized version of me. I'd like, you know, Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. That's that's yeah, those 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 are the ones that I would I would think of. I, I you know, I, I listen to uh I told you I listen to a lot of classic old time radio. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, generally these detective stories. But I always picture the people in the stories as black people that I know. Mm. And a mixture of that and celebrities like like Denzel Washington is always one of the characters that I picture in my mind, even though I know it's, uh, you know... Um, Lloyd Bridges or, or one of those guys. So, but yeah, yeah, Dennis Haysburg. That's who I would, I would, I would have play me. All right, sounds good. We'll go with it. So the next question I have for you is, what's your favorite dinner? My favorite dinner, faux faux chicken soup with. Fresh spring rolls, summer rolls with shrimp. Mm, okay, not bad. Um, what's your biggest missed opportunity? Oh man, that's a list. That, that's a that's a list. Um, um not investing in Humana 
when I had the chance when I lived in Las Vegas. I would probably, if I had invested in like Humana for three years, I'd probably be a millionaire right now. Okay. I, I mean, I yeah, my the, the 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 list of missed opportunities is long and distinguished. I mean, I but that's I'm just gonna give you that one off the top of my head because there's you know there's family missed opportunities, there's educational missed opportunities, there's career missed opportunities. There's, you know, I mean, on and on and on and on, but, but that's what I'll go with. All right. Um, now you get a free vacation to any spot in the world. Where are you choosing to go? Um, probably Costa Rica. Because I, one of the reasons, I mean, and that's something that's relatively recent with me, because I was just doing research on where is a good place for black people to live if Trump wins a second term. (laughs) And and Costa Rica was at the top of the list. So I've been investigating Costa Rica. I've also would like to spend some time in some Eastern European countries. Like I'd like to go to Albania. Okay. Um, that's, you know, that's about it. I mean, you know, definitely I would love to go on. Did you say to live or to, to visit? Uh, just visit. Yeah. It's your world. I would, I would, I wouldn't mind going to, um, you know, Italy, but yeah, Albania, Italy, but to live Costa Rica. Okay. All right, cool. Now, what song have you listened to the most in your life? Um... Uh, I don't know. I I think song that I've listened to the most in one setting of a song that I wasn't trying to learn how to sing mm-hmm. was Annie Lennox walking on broken glass. I just love all of that. And Peaches and Regalia by the Mothers of Invention. Okay. All right, cool. Now, who's your favorite guilty pleasure music artist? My favorite guilty pleasure music artist. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I like a lot of stupid, a lot of stupid music. Okay. Like when I was a kid, I really used to, I used to like Bread. You ever hear the band Bread? I. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I think I saw them on like, they came up on, popped up on my TV the other day, like somehow, some way. And I remember thinking, I was like, man, band names you, back in the day used to be so just. <laughs> just words. Yeah. Yeah. Red. Right. American. They weren't descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> Foreigner. 
But yeah, yeah. when yeah. I saw bread pop up, I was like, "Wait, there's a band just named Bread?" Like, yeah, you- Dave, Dave, David Gates and Bread. They, uh, yeah, they had schmaltzy kind of like pop songs. Mm-hmm. I used to also be a big Three Dog Night fan. Okay. I used to love, I, you know, I used to think that they were the coolest band in the world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in terms of guilty pleasure, that that would be it. Uh, Bread, Three Dog Night. I mean, I was a big Carol King fan for a while. I like Carly Simon. Okay. But I think I like them more because I like their looks. So, okay. Alright. Um, what career should you have been in? Um, you know what? I should have been for the early part of my life a professional football player. That's what, yeah, that's what I was, you know, when I went into high school, that was my my trajectory i planned on playing football i mean i loved playing basketball mm-hmm. but i thought that i was really good at football um but in you know but you know music has always been like the way i would have loved to have a career and make a living mm-hmm. that's a professional musician professional singer okay <laughs> Uh, who is your favorite athlete? My favorite athlete? I'd have to, you know, it's, <laughs> I have to go with the, the, the two biggies, um, Michael Jordan and Tom Brady. Ooh, okay. So what would the title of your autobiography be? <sighs> What's your favorite show of all time? Damn. This is a hard one. I um I really was totally and completely into the first two seasons of twenty four. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I also from a kid, I don't really think I had. I mean, I'd say as a kid, I uh, Walt Disney, Wonderful World of Disney, or whatever it was called, the different. But yeah, Sunday Sunday night television when I was when I was a kid, and Thursday night television on NBC 
as I became like a teenager. Mm -hmm. Then as an adult, it would have to be 24. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, Now, what popular show or movie do you refuse to watch? Oh, God. There's a few of them. Uh, um, The one with the rabbit in the pot. with Michael Douglas and and Glenn Close. What's that movie? Uh, I don't know that one. Oh, shit. Um, I I just looked it up. Fatal Attraction? Fatal Attraction. Yeah. (laughs) Fatal Attraction. I I would never, ever watch. Uh, I don't watch movies with the word zombie in it. Mm. Um, or the other one with um, the the um, the leg uncrossing uh, with Sharon Stone. Oh, yeah. Beta face basic instinct or something like that. Okay. Yeah, those are two movies that I I will never watch. All right. Now, what is something that you think is just perfect? Uh, I think that plants across the board are perfect. The way, the way they take, uh, nourishment from the soil and they, you know, they, they, the leaves develop and the whole thing, photosynthesis, feeding it then that turning with water and sunlight into flowers that turn into, in some cases, edible plants, but if not edible, at least beautiful plants. Yeah, I think plants are, are perfect. They use their environment and they give back in a multitude of ways. Okay. All right. I like that. Um, now, what do you wish that you knew more about? Oh, what do I wish I knew more about? Uh, science. Science and, and the world. And, um, um, you know, just, I remember someone explaining to me why the sky is blue and he was saying it you know it's because of our atmosphere and the things that are in our atmosphere if, if, if we had other things in our atmosphere our sky might be green or red or mm-hmm. so yeah science overall i wish i wish i knew more about the inner workings of everything from televisions to I just, I just wish I knew I had more of a science background. Okay. All right. Um, what is special about the place that you grew up? Uh, uh, see, my, my, my growing up was just all over the place. If we want to, if we want to start with like Rensselaer, where I spent my childhood, um, it was 
the the friendships that I developed, um, the the fact that it was a mixed race community at a time when I think I talked to you about this about when black people were going coming from colored to Negro to black. It was it was during that period in the early sixties that, you know, there was a sense of family and we were just, you know, we all hung up, you know, everybody from from David Butler to Leo Belface to the Zeglers to the Trotties, you know, just all these different people, even Otto, I told you about Otto, the guy who lived next door that my yeah. brother Garland says was a was a Nazi, <laughs> you know, and just like just the the old people and going to the store for people and shining shoes on Broadway and getting fifty cents and going down to Joyce Department Store and buying a, a guitar or going to the boys club and playing on the trampoline and it was just it seemed like a very playful time for me and I didn't I didn't realize how poor we were. Mm. I just went to school and came home and played and shined shoes and you know, I never really ever had a bike or anything like that. Okay. But um, I didn't I didn't really miss it. We used to build forts and so growing up in Rensselaer was, was kind of cool because like I said, I, I felt it was a close knit community. Okay. All right. Um, now, um, what are you now most likely to become famous for? What am I most likely to become famous for? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm like I'm trying right now to become famous as a songwriter. That mm-hmm. that would be my hope. That that's sort of like my my pension plan. See if I can get get a couple of my songs on some albums mm-hmm. and start getting some residual money from that, or okay. get my play produced, or get my um, my book of uh, of toy projects for kids done. I'm like about a third of the way through it, so. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't really know. I'd have to say songs. Okay. All right. Now, three questions left. So, okay. what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Pistachio. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, what do you take for granted? Uh, No matter no no matter what I do, good or bad, in the rest of my life, I will always have some place to lay my head at the end of the day 
<coughs> that isn't <coughs> governed or sanctioned by a government. Meaning, like, I have enough family that I have some couch that I could always go to and sleep. That's mm. kind of what I take for granted. Okay. All right. Now, the last of the 20 questions I have for you. Okay. What advice would you give to a new father? Uh, what advice would I give to a new father? Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody comes up to uh, you and says, I'm, I'm going to be a dad. You know, what advice do you have for me? Okay. Um, I think that you should work on, as a father, and I didn't do this, I think you should work on some sort of like symbiotic trajectory with your children because people coming in and out of other people's lives like when I came into your mother's life I completely changed her trajectory and when I left you I sort of changed your trajectory without being there with you so yeah my advice would be try to stay on the same trajectory as your kids no matter how your relationship with their mother because you're talking about from talking to a man right mm-hmm. yep because because your relationship with their mother becomes secondary to your relationship with them. And you just need to be there and offer whatever you have to offer for as long as, if not as long as you're alive, as long as they're alive. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what I got. Okay. Has anybody ever come to you for, for fatherly advice? Um, I'm trying to think. I just had, I mean, I just called a client the other, other day. who uh, He's probably one of my, you know, like, I see most of these people once, maybe twice, sometimes three times, sometimes up to five times. Mm-hmm. But with, I see him every week. He comes in my office and sits down and we just talk. So I called him the other day and he was actually at the hospital with his girlfriend who's been, you know, pregnant because we've been talking about her pregnancy for the past, past, obviously nine months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he's one person that I give parenting advice to. 
and I spoke to him the other day, and I just, you know, because his issue now is he works at the university, but he's laid off because of this this COVID nineteen thing. Mm. And I I just told him like, yo man, it's not so much about the job that you have, it's about how you interact with this child now. That's mm-hmm. it. I mean, you gotta you gotta stay. I know it's hard. You're on probation. You owe restitution payments. You don't have a job right now, but you have a new child, and you gotta stick with it. I mean, and that's yeah. So I've I've got some people have asked my advice, and my you know my advice is you know like stick with it. Don't don't give up. Those are you know those are kind of themes that I I come back to when I'm writing songs. I you know. I, I write about situations in my life and, and it's like uh, a reoccurring theme is don't give up, you mm-hmm. know, stick with it. That's kind of, that's really the only advice that I can give to anybody. I mean, God bless you all like you, Adrian and Tony, you turned out fine. You know, you guys turned out fine without me. And I just wonder, like, how much better we all would have been if I stuck with it. Yeah. So. yeah. Now, one of the questions I have, which is really so fascinating, because here, you know, you're obviously talking about, like, you know, the trajectory and what would have changed if I stuck around. Um, and at the beginning of all this, you know, you talked about your own dad and his own dad you know, who, who weren't around. So, you know, if your father was around, how do you think home life would have changed for you? Um, you know, if, if he did stick around, if he didn't go to, to Phoenix, if he was present for, for your life? Yeah, I think if, if my, if my father had stuck around, it's, it's sort of like the same thing as me he was like a smart guy he was always doing something cutting edge but he was just restless Mm. and I think I wouldn't have been as restless as I was if one there was someone who had accountability for me like like someone like my my by by time i came along i think my mother was tired of raising boys she just was i mean she i was i was sort of like my mother would like play with me and sit me down and we'd watch movies together or she'd read um, like scripts that she wrote that she wanted to send to Tide and you know she would talk to me about growing up poor and traveling around with her mother I think she talked 
to me more than she talked to my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. At least that's the sense that I get now when I talk to them about it. Cause they would say, oh, she never talked to me about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but she wasn't into like, I think raising me and teaching me and, you know, helping me learn and sitting down and doing my homework with me. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of felt that in our bedroom, I wasn't even assigned a bed because it was a room with like three, maybe four beds in it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, whoever got to what bed first, so there was no real normalcy. Like, I didn't really look at it as being poor. I just looked at it as being sort of an odd way to live. I, don't, I didn't think people should be living the way that we lived. And I think that could have changed if my father had been around. There could have been more of a, you know, gave my mother the ability to be a mother and not just a pal mm. and for you know for someone to like talk to me when I do something really bad as opposed to just giving me a whooping as my mother would do so yeah I, I think if, if he had stuck around it, you know once again it's that whole trajectory thing he could have he could have been there with me and I could have, I don't know, learned, learned, learned how to stick around. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I, I never learned how to do from my father, yeah. which I, you know, you got it from your mother and your uncles mm-hmm. and your grandfather, which I, you know, I got it, you know, I got it from really no one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and what's really fascinating is because we, we've talked, I think we've talked maybe like not recording wise, but uh, about my motivations for starting this whole project. And, you know, I think I've always been fascinated with, with fatherhood as a whole, you know, prior to becoming a dad and now certainly as a dad. And as I started doing research into this whole project, you know, like I always knew that my story itself wasn't, you know, wasn't super unique. Um, I think it was in Queensbury, at least around the people I was around. I mean, all, all, a lot of my friends' dads were around. Um, so I think my story was unique in that self. But when I look globally and certainly throughout the country, I mean, even right now, there's millions and millions of kids that are growing up right now um, who, don't, who don't know their dads. They right. either don't know who they are or don't have any contact with them. And for me, it's always been really really interesting in terms of like why that is and you know so that was one of the reasons I wanted to start this off is you know because I'm I'm present for my kids you know I, I think I certainly have have a life right now that I'm, I'm very very proud of and that I hope for and dream for and now I have it and but at the same time I look at some of the statistics in terms of kids who grew up without dads and the all the odds were against me like all of them, you know, from completing right. school to having a healthy marriage to, um, you know, not ending up in jail, like all these different things, like these are odds that, that I beat. And I didn't really think of it until I started seeing some of these, some of these numbers. So 
you know, from, from your perspective, if somebody came to you and said like, Maurice, like, we know your autobiography, we know your story, we know your background. Now you have an opportunity to speak to just a generation of men who maybe follow or are starting to follow the same path that you followed. What advice would you have for them? Um, that's a really hard question. Uh, well, like I said, in, in, in short, um, I guess when you have a child, it should be about the child. I mean, every everything you know. There's there's some there's some families that stick together, but the whole family dynamic is about the father. Make you know. Make sure you save your father a piece of chicken. Make sure you, oh, you're going to get it when your father comes home. It's like everything is about the father in some families and it should always be about the kids the ones coming behind you um just like i said before you see it's 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 you're gonna have difficulties in your relationships with your you know with your spouse but you gotta figure out how to make separate from your relationship with your children. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like when people get divorced and they start using the children as pawns in their like hurtful relationships. You should you could never do that. You you have to make sure that priority one is providing for your family priority too is like to be present in your child's life and help direct them into like what they're going to be um that's i mean i really wouldn't have much more than that to say Mm -hmm. I i would uh you know Make make the child number one and stick with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And now you have grandkids. You have yeah. You know, there's out of your your three kids. You know we all have kids. And what's interesting is that we're all on the on the opposite coast. Right. Um. It was inter- which is yeah, just interesting. So. You know, going forward, and we've talked about this, like, you know, we can't necessarily change the past and, you know, we, we learn from it. But going forward, what do you want your legacy to be for, for my girls and for, for Tony's girl and for, for Adrian's son? Well, I would, whatever they choose, I want them to be successful. I want them to know that I am a part of their history and that as long as I am alive, I am here to support them in whatever 
way. I, you know, it's like grandchildren in a lot of cases are kind of the best second act. It's sort of like the opportunity to try to get it right on certain level because, you know, they are an extension of you. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you, like I said, you want them to be happy, healthy, successful, and know that there is this man living in this little house in Waterloo, New York, that loves you, that thinks of you, that wants to be part of your life in some way. I want to hear each one of them say my name at some point. I, you know, I just, I just think that, like I said, having grandkids is an opportunity to try to get something right. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, and I know this is going to be like a, a really difficult question, but I think it's something that people wrestle with who like maybe have absent parents and maybe come back into the picture. But do you feel that you have the, you have the right to call yourself a grandfather? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I think a, a father is one thing I have my a right to call call you know myself your father without putting biological in front of it like no not necessarily um but with grandchildren i think that the emphasis is on the grand part it's they're like part of your you know they're part of your biology there's really nothing you could do about that Mm -hmm. and if you try if you try to take responsibility for them as babies toddlers children teenagers adult if, if if you are attempting to participate in their lives from that time to the time that you're gone or they're gone, I'm like, yeah, I think you have a you have a right to call yourself a grandfather. That's that's the way I look at it because it's because I'm like like I'm getting into it at a young age. And I plan on sticking with it as long as I'm here or as long as they're here. So, yeah, no, but that's, yeah, it's a good question. Okay, cool. Um, And I remember in, what was this? Yeah, it was just last year, um, right after the family reunion, you know, and I think we had talked about this, but you had sent, you know, you had sent uh, at least Reagan, uh, a t-shirt from the family reunion that had everyone's name on it. Um, you know, I think you're like posting some pictures on like Facebook and, you know, it seemed like you were being really intentional in terms of including, you know, like my family in the family reunion in Albany. 
And I remember getting that t-shirt and, and just thinking like, how am I going to explain this to, to my kids one day? You know, and, you know, so we, we've talked a, a little bit about how, how you explain it. And I think the best way is just to be, to be honest. Um, yeah. Well, here's, here's kind of what I was thinking with the t-shirt. At some point, Reagan's going to learn to read and she's going to see that shirt and she's going to ask you, what's like, what's this about? Mm-hmm. And at that point, like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't plan on you sitting down and saying, this is from your Rucker side of your family. But I figured at some point she's going to say, what, is this, what does this stuff say on my shirt? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're going to have to explain it to her the best you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Um, but within that package, you had, you had wrote a poem for, uh, for your granddaughters. Do you still have yeah. that poem? On my computer somewhere, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I was going to say, yeah, if, uh, I don't know if you have access to it, but I, I would love for you to read the poem uh, if you have access to it. Yeah. I mean, I probably couldn't do it at this very moment, but the next time we talk, definitely can. All right, cool. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Cause you know, when, God, when Reagan was born and when Sienna was born, like I'd wrote a song for, for both of them and recorded it, you know, because I really wanted both of them to have your recorded evidence of the way that the, you know, the dad felt about them and just kind of like what was going on in life at the time. So I remember when I got that poem, it was really interesting because I was like, oh, like here's, here's something that, you know, was written, you know, by you to them and I, I think it'll be really interesting for them to to have one day because our story is so unique and right right um you know for the fact that we live on the other side of the country like i i don't know when we'll be back there if we'll be back there like i just don't know what that looks like you know so regardless this will be something that's that they have um you know from you you know it, it was a poem yeah. was intentionally written written read about them so yeah, I'd love to eventually have that. Uh, if you could yeah. read for them, that'd be great. Yeah, without a doubt. I have to just like go on my computer and, and find it. All right, cool. But uh, yeah, I got a, I got a letter that, um, that I wrote to the three of you. And it was really... It was, it ended up being kind of dark. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, you sound like <laughs> you know, you sound like an evil man." <laughs> but um, where is this letter? It's on my computer as well. I just I was just looking at it the other day, and uh, I just I just never sent it because, like I said, it it's it, I mean, with the hindsight of our conversations. I probably could send it to you at this point because it, it would make sense. But I mm-hmm. think where it originally came from was like I was I was probably just depressed, and I was going through, you know, the, the I'm you know thinking about what I missed out on life in life and why I missed out on it. 
So, but yeah, I'll, I'll find both of those. Next week on the finale of Complicated Motherhood. I've done a lot of fucked up things in my life. My life hasn't been a total loss. I've never done a bad thing. If I was going to apologize for anything, I should apologize for that. While I was growing up, like, if you brought that instability into my life, I just wonder how it would have turned out. Complicated Fatherhood was written, recorded, and edited by me, Ryan Rucker. All music was composed and recorded by me as well. Join us for the conversation on Instagram at Complicated Fatherhood. And if you like what you hear, I'd love for you to share this podcast on any of your favorite social media platforms using the hashtag Complicated Fatherhood. We'll see you next time.